Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're taking a break, of course, because this is Easter, and we want to, we want to proclaim the benefits of Easter. And there is no doubt that uh, as we come to this message here today, that there are factors into the importance of the resurrection. Remembering or even understanding that Jesus' life and timeline is, is a daunting task. We're lucky because we have scripture, but back then with the apostles and even Jesus' own family, uh, it was easy to get things crossed up. And since the very beginning of the world, there's been sin. And that is a hope killer. The world is filled with hope killers. It is in Genesis that evil has attacked everything that God has created. And it's easy in this world to grow weary and pessimistic. But what we find here that hope is found in the promises of God, not in the attacks of evil. You see, from the moment God told Mary that she would give birth to a virgin, as a virgin to a son who would save the world, to watching him willingly die on the cross for the very people that were crucifying him. The disciples did not get their earthly power that they were looking for. They were running for their lives, and Jesus hung there lifeless on that cruel cross until he was laid to rest in a tomb that was borrowed by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. In that moment... Hope had died with Jesus. And people want to tell you today that hope has died. But I'm telling you, the message of the resurrection says hope is alive and well today. Jesus promised his disciples that he would resurrect it. He told them as much that he would do that. And he did something that no one else has done. He did it. He said that he would resurrect and it happened. The promise that that promise right there, that one promise, turned their darkest day of grief and despair into celebration, praise, and worship. So we continue to celebrate that promise today. He is risen, folks. Remember what he said. He is coming back again. So raise your eyes and look to the sky where your help comes from. Your Redeemer lives. He is alive. Repeat it with me. He is alive. He is alive. And He is alive. So let's remember that today. So as we look at our scriptures, the first thing that we see is that the empty tomb leaves a question with only one answer. The empty tomb leaves a question with only one answer. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord. Again, we see about this tomb. This tomb was borrowed from Joseph of Arimathea, and it was located close to the spot where Jesus was crucified, because you cannot break the connection between the crucifixion and the resurrection. The tombs there would be, it's not like we have these nice pretty cemeteries and, and, uh, and uh, mausoleums today. They would 
they would literally carve them in stones and, and carve them in the walls and carve them in the mountains. And they would just make these big rooms with a hole on the front of it and then they would cover it up with the door or the stone for the door. And the entrance of the tomb was blocked by a heavy circular shaped stone and they actually had a little channel it would roll in. I mean, they didn't have hydraulics and all that stuff back then. So it was just they made a track for it to go in and out and it would be so heavy that it would take several people to move it. So you would enter through the small hole of that, whether it be a rock or a mountain or whatever, you have a room on this side and you would have a room on this side. So if you had a loved one that had passed, what they would do is they would take it and they would put it in, say, the room on the left, and they would lay the body out, and they would let it be there as it's been prepared and it's had all of the, the spices and the ointments and all that kind of things. And then for about six, seven years, they would just let it decompose there. And in that weather there and that environment, about seven years, it was just nothing but bones and dirt. And so they would take their loved ones, all their remains, and they would scoop them up and put them in a box called an ossuary. And then they would take that ossuary over to the other room and put it on the shelf where all their other loved ones had passed away, making it ready for the next person. Well, the importance of women in Jesus' story we see here. Have you ever thought about this fact? God first revealed his plan for our redemption to Elizabeth and Mary, women. And she was the first to find that Jesus had resurrected as well. It was women. You see, it says in Luke 24:10, the women who found, who found Galilee are Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Joanna, and an other, other unnamed woman. They talk about Mary Magdalene here. You may have seen movies that depict Mary Magdalene. Many movies try to depict Mary Magdalene as a former prostitute or or some type of uh, destitute type woman, but actually she was a very well-off woman. And uh, she had actually, if you go back and you look at Luke chapter 8, Jesus had cast out seven demons from her. So from the moment he cast out those demons, she made it her life goal to make sure he and the disciples had everything that he needed. Women being the first to see the empty tomb was beneficial. They were going to prepare the body for Jesus for burial, just as we covered. But Jesus was placed at the tomb in a hurry because the Jewish leaders were trying to get him killed and buried before the Sabbath. So no one would have to work on his body. So that's why they're coming afterwards. And Mark 16.3 informs us that the women were asking who would roll the stone away. Who would roll the stone away? We see verses 4 through 8. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? That is a great question. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I love that. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. It says in verse 6, He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. So this, this angel is speaking to the women and saying, Take a moment 
and remember what he said. And then here's the most beautiful part of the passage in verse 8. Then they remembered what he had said. My friends, if you are feeling despaired today, if you are without hope, let me just tell you, folks, remember what God has said. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember the power of the resurrection because there are many false theories about the resurrection. I'm not going to go into all of them today, but some of you may have heard these. Some of you may think these, but there was one theory that someone just stole his body. That's why he wasn't there. But think about that. If someone were to have stolen body, Jesus' body out of the tomb, they would have had to, one, be able to get him out, two, roll the stone away, and then three, get past the highly trained Roman guards that were stationed there. So that's not really plausible. Also, there was actually one called a, hallucin- a mass hallucination theory where proponents of this view claim that Jesus' disciples, they saw Jesus, but it was just a mass hallucination. Okay, go with that for a minute. Then how about all the many opportunities and many appearances after that initial one where people in different areas saw him at different times? So did they all just kind of have a mass hallucination for, for an extended period of time in different places? No. Then there's the swoon theory. I like this one. Actually, I don't. The swoon theory says, and this is actually smart people coming up with this, that Jesus wasn't really dead. He just woke up after being refreshed by the rest and the cold air in the tomb. That he, Jesus didn't die. He, he passed out. Well, my friends... You can go to John 19, 33 and 34, where it says his legs were not broken on the cross to hurry up death like this two criminals because the officials saw he was already dead. There's the coroner's report. There's the proof. They said he was dead. And even if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see that it was prophesied that his bones would not be broken. And this is a fulfillment of that. And then, just to make sure Jesus was not only dead, that he was good and dead, they took a spear, they pierced his side, and that is where blood and water flowed out. The significance, the medical significance of blood and water flowing out of that piercing is the fact that the heart exploded. That's why there was blood, and that's why there was water. You're not coming back from that. And folks, the resurrect, the reason there are so many people that are coming up with other theories about the resurrection is that if you take out the resurrection, everything else falls like a drop, like a, a house of cards. The resurrection is the single most important fact in Christianity. To not believe in the resurrection of Jesus is not to believe in God. Only God has the power over life and death. He created life. He controls death. And He has the power for the resurrection. Jesus promised He would rise from the dead, and He proved it. That is the real deal, my friends. And this separates Jesus from any other religious leader or cultish figure. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And in that statement, he claimed to be the source of both. So, my friends, when you were at the funeral of a loved one 
and they are a believer, and someone tells you, well, you know, they're off and they're going to be in a better place. I mean, we all say those things to people. We all think those things because at the moment, that's just like some of those sayings that make us feel better. And it ought to because it's the truth. The fact that we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today, the Bible also says those who are in him will have the same experience. They will be resurrected as well. So if you can celebrate Jesus, you can celebrate the passing of your loved one who is a believer in Jesus. Because there is no resurrection apart from Christ. There is no eternal life apart from Christ. And the Word of God guarantees the believers resurrection at the coming of Jesus Christ for His church and His rapture. If you don't believe me, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 55, it says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the Scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Let's go back and look at verse 6. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Some translations say, why do you seek the living among the dead? That's a beautiful song, by the way, if you've ever heard it. But remember, he's saying, remember what he told you back in Galilee. That this was going to happen. Jesus was not killed on the cross, my friend. He gave up his life. There is a difference. No one killed Jesus. He at any moment could have wiped us all out. But he willingly gave his life so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. The disciples heard Jesus' teachings. They saw his miracles, but they didn't fully appreciate it until after his resurrection. All of those disciples would ultimately go on and give their lives for the gospel. Give their lives for the church. Give their lives for Jesus Christ. Folks, people don't give their lives for a swoon theory or a stolen body theory or an hallucination theory. They gave their lives for something they believed in. So I've got a life question for you, and you don't have to answer this out loud. This is just for you and your brain. What would you want to look for? Why would you want to look for life in things that are dead? Why would you want to look for life and things that are dead? Again, go back into the minds of the women that were coming to the tomb. They were there. The stone was rolled away, thankfully, so they didn't have to move it. And the body is gone. The first thing they would have thought, somebody stole it. If you go out here and you go out to your house here in Anderson County and something's gone, odds are somebody's got it. It was an honest theory, even after Jesus told him all of those things. But yet, here we go. Why would you want to look for life in things that are dead? Why are you playing in cemeteries when the resurrection tells you you can go play at the beach? Folks, stop looking for life in dead things. Stop looking for life in things that are really ultimately going to hurt you and take away from you. Stop looking to things for life that become idols that set you apart from God. Quit dwelling on the things that God's Word says that are wrong. Stop pursuing the things that are killing your relationship with God and your loved ones. Stop pursuing those things that are killing you. 
The resurrection proves that Jesus has overcome that for you, but you must trust Him and take Him at His word. It says in verse 8, they remembered that He had said this. In this moment, that is where the despair of the moment, their hearts burst forth with hope and joy. Because they remembered what Jesus said, and Jesus did what He said He would do. No longer are they worrying about what happened to the body. It was just as Jesus told them. The empty tomb and the weight of their current situation had made them hopeless. But remembering Jesus' words changed the women's hearts. No longer did they see their current situation through the curse of sin, but the power of Jesus. Now, I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through, but I'll go ahead and tell you what. Life stinks, and we all have stuff we have to go through, right? Y'all got stuff you're going through? I got stuff I'm going through. We all have that stuff, and it is so tempting. The stuff gets so big, and the things, the, the hills that we have to climb, and the, the relationships we have to deal with, and the, the sins that we deal with, and the habits that we deal with, sometimes they become so much bigger than we think Jesus is. But the truth of the matter is, it is the curse of sin that we are focused on when all the while we have the power of Jesus. If your problems are too big, it's because your Jesus is too small. And I'm not saying it's the Jesus. I'm saying the the faith, the amount of faith you put into Jesus. If your problems are bigger than that, it's because your Jesus is too small. And that's not a Jesus problem. That's a you problem. Then we see in verses 9 through 12. We have to take Jesus at His word. We have to take Jesus at His word. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell His eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. By the way, Mary the mother of James, you know that's Mary Jesus' mother too. Verse 11 says, But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. I'm sure they're like, What are these women talking about? These women love to talk. So they didn't believe them. They discounted them. And, and I hate to be rude about this, but the truth of the matter is women had very little credibility back in those days. And they thought, What are those women talking about? However, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Of all the guys there, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. I'm wondering, folks, when they, he heard that and he heard from the women that Jesus was alive. I wonder, maybe, I don't know, but maybe in his mind he went back to that fateful day to where they were in the boat and the waves were about to take the boat over and Jesus says, come to me, Peter. And he jumped out of the boat while everybody else watched him. And he jumped out on the boat and he walked on water. Peter had his, his hang-ups, just like all of us. But he was impulsive. A lot of times Peter would jump and then he would think about it. Well, it says here that he jumped and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in. So he didn't even go in. He just kind of, you know, peeked in there. He peered in and saw the empty linens, wrappings. Then he went home again, 
wondering what had happened. So now he's as confused as the women are. The resurrection, folks, does not make sense to some people. The apostles, they were not skeptics. They gave their lives to follow Jesus, yet their minds could not wrap their heads around the fact that he had risen. I think sometimes we in churches, we hear so much about Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from our sins. Jesus is coming back. It's almost like, yeah, I got that, but help me with what I really need today. And we discount the power in those statements. We see it, but we don't internalize it. We don't fully understand it. You see, the apostles had to see for themselves. Impulsive Peter was the first to jump up. And just a side note, when John tells this story, John always liked to make himself look good. So he says that it was a foot race and that he and Peter were in a foot race. And John was the first one to get there. But Peter was the first one to stick his head in and see what's going on. That was in John 24, chapter 20, verse 4. Peter saw the linens used to wrap Jesus' body. They were not a robe folded on the corner. They did not look like leftovers from a bloody ER visit. I'm sure that, that those linens were not glowing white like some uh, movies try to make it look. But seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. If you would, turn to John 20, verses 6 through 10 for just a moment. And it gives us, in his account, it gives us something that Luke doesn't. Okay? John 20, verses 6 through 10. It says, Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead Then they went home. The reason I took you there to this verse is to kind of take you inside the tomb. We do not know what the resurrection looked like. Now, Hollywood and stories and artists try to tell you it's like a bright light or it might look like a a Star Trek episode when they transport somebody. I don't know. We don't know. And it's okay that we don't know. We just know that it happened. But what we do know from Scripture is that this means... That the head cloth, the the cloth that was wrapped around Jesus' head, it still retained the shape and the contour of Jesus' head. So that means he didn't take it off and wrap it up and throw it on the side. It didn't mean that he took all of his stuff off and burst out like the Incredible Hulk used to burst out of his clothes. It means that almost like his body just kind of disappeared and that head wrapping just kind of fell right where it was. The truth is, it happened. And they found that they needed to believe that it happened because they needed to see proof. So as we wrap up our time together today and go into the home stretch, I'm going to share with you what we see in this passage, four stages of belief in Jesus. We see this in the women we talked about. We see this in Peter and John. 
And we see this in your life and mine. Here are four stages of belief in Jesus. Number one, that's impossible. There's no way. An all-out rejection where your, your eyes see something, but it doesn't even go there to think that that could be it. That may be what you're in the middle of right now. God is doing something in your life, but you say it's impossible that God could be in the middle of this. But I'm telling you, He is. The first stage of belief is, and there, there are people out here today, and maybe even in this very sanctuary or watching by way of social media, and they, they hear me talking, they hear these scriptures, and the jury is still out on them and Jesus. They're still trying to figure out. It still doesn't make sense. It still sounds like a crutch that people lean on. But my friend, I've been leaning on that crutch for many years. For many people, they'll say this resurrection thing, it just doesn't make sense. I can't wrap my head around it. It's impossible. Then there's others that will go to investigate. They'll, they'll peek in and look, but they still don't believe. They'll go to a church service just to keep their friend off their back. They'll go and they'll, they'll be in a, a hotel somewhere and there may be a Bible. They just start reading it. And all of a sudden, God will start speaking to them. They're, they're curious. They're, they're ready to investigate. It's not that they're all out rejecting it, saying it's impossible. They're saying it's possible, so let's check it out. And then there are people that have a personal encounter with Jesus and believe. Just like the women. As soon as that angel said, Mary said her name, she realized who was talking to him. I mean, talking to her. There are people that have a personal encounter with Jesus and believe, and then there are those that commit to a relationship with Jesus and to serve him. Those are the four stages we see here. We know that the disciples believed and committed to Jesus to serve him after his resurrection for the rest of their lives, even unto their own deaths. And persecution. So, my friends, I ask you today, where are you today on that scale? Have you forgotten the words Jesus has said? That He loves you? That He's got a plan for your life? He wants to forgive you of your sins? You don't have to walk through this world in your own power. You don't have to live under the curse of sin. You can be set free from it because not only of what happened on the cross by the shedding of His blood for your sins, but for the power that He had to resurrect. There is no other power like that ever anywhere. Are you on the brink of belief, but still curious? Have you had or do you need a personal encounter with Jesus to believe? Do you need to commit to what you believe in? There are a lot of people that will wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian or I'm a church member. There are a lot of people that will put a a Christian bumper sticker on their their car. Those of you that have been around a while, you know, I'm not about that because if i got a Christian bumper sticker on my car, the way I drive might be a bad testimony. But all seriousness, in some circles it's cool to have the t-shirt and to be a part of the club. But there's no life change, there's no commitment, there's no uh, desire to not sin, there's no desire to be holy, which is what God has called us to do, which is the very reason Jesus Christ died for our sins. Do not give death and despair the weight it demands in your life today. Remember what Jesus said, death has been defeated, death has been arrested, and Jesus is alive. My friends, 
It is not about the words I say or the music that we share or the building that we are sitting in. It is all about Jesus Christ. And if there is one person today that is here that does not know the power of Jesus Christ, they've been peering in, but they have not yet committed. This could be the day. I can, can't think of a better opportunity than on Easter, the day of his resurrection, to become a child of God. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to pray where you are. Maybe people have been praying about joining this church, or maybe they just want to take a moment and just talk with Jesus. That, that's fine. But our invitation is going to be this. If, if you want to come forward and pray with me, pray to receive Christ, or come to this altar, or you just have a prayer need, I will be here. And people are not going to judge you and say, oh my goodness, can you see who walked up here? My friends, does it really matter what people think? I would not miss heaven over the fear of what somebody else thinks. Because the truth of the matter is, that's the devil talking to you. There is not one person in here that would not rejoice with you and throw a party if today was the day you met Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your resurrection of your son. And that power, that even that power that we are celebrating today, is here in this room. It's in this moment. Your spirit is here, Lord. And Lord, if there is one person today, that does not know you. May today be the day of their salvation. If there is one person today that is walking in defeat, maybe today will be the day of their freedom and redemption. If there is one person here today that you are working on to serve or to follow you, may today be the day that they give their life to you in service. Whatever the decision may be, Lord, this is a time for you to work. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?